0: The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December uses detailed illustrations and rhyming text to tell the story of Jesus' birth. It's titled N is for Nativity. This new hardcover children's book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about N is for Nativity at issuesetc.org. Use the ABCs from Advent to Zion to teach your children and grandchildren the Christmas story with N is for Nativity. The new teachings about marriage and human sexuality are an assault on creation itself. God made man in his own image, male and female, he created them. It is an assault on that created reality. Think of sin like a cancer on God's creation. It corrupts and distorts and destroys. God didn't create it. Adam's disobedience brought sin into the world. Are we looking forward to the day when our flesh and all the sinful desires of the flesh will finally be gone? Well, we have to always be longing for that day when when the flesh will be put off and we'll be totally made new. Literally, folks, Advent is where we find ourselves in this age. We are a people waiting for the end, waiting for the appearing of our King. Families putting up their manger scenes from the outdoor nativity store.
1: Of issues,
0: etc. Conservatives seem to be, if posts and comments on social media are any indication, of two minds, maybe even a little hypocritical about the issue of surrogacy. A couple says, We can't have children, we're going to hire a woman, and in, in essence, kind of rent her womb to have our child for us. When progressives do it, There is usually reprobation and comment and asking questions like what happened to the mother and why are women being erased and when conservatives do it there's a round of applause and congratulations greetings and welcome back to issues etc i'm todd wilkin thanks for tuning us in live on this monday afternoon the fourth of december we're going to talk about conservative arguments against surrogacy katie faust will be our guest Then Pastor Michael Salamink will join us to respond to the choice argument for abortion. Katie Faust is a married mother of four children in Seattle, founder and director of the children's rights organization, Them Before Us, co-author of the new book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, Teaching Historical, Economic, and Biological Truth in a World of Lies, and a recent column for The Federalist titled, The Conservative Pro-Life Case Against Surrogacy. Katie, welcome back.
1: Thanks again for having me, Todd. It's always a joy to talk to you and your listeners.
0: Gay conservative commentator Guy Benson recently posted a link to a Parade magazine story about his first child. Tell us about that.
1: Well, he announced it on Twitter and Instagram that he had procured a baby through surrogacy with his gay partner. And of course, as the last time this happened with Dave Rubin a couple years ago, many prominent gay conservatives jumped on and started congratulating him. So that's what I spent most of my time over the weekend doing, probably 20 hours total, just responding to and tweeting about and critiquing this decision, especially on behalf of conservatives who supposedly champion family values and don't want to erase women and attend the Sound of Freedom movie because they think that children should not be bought and sold and trafficked. But somehow all of that goes out the window when it's somebody on their own side who is making a baby in this way.
0: So, first of all, many conservatives don't see a problem with surrogacy at all. Why is that?
1: Well, I think the problem is that conservatives love babies. We rightly love babies. We have spent years, some of them, decades of their life defending babies and their right to exist and their right to life. And so we see something like surrogacy and we say, isn't this just about babies? Aren't babies wonderful and good and shouldn't they be celebrated? And the answer is, of course, yes. But When we look deeper at what surrogacy is, we see that this is not a child-friendly way of bringing children into the world. This is a violation of children's right to life, a right to their mother and father, and a right to be born free and not bought and sold. And so we have got to get this straight. Conservatives, certainly. Christians, absolutely, must understand exactly what surrogacy is and why it's so damaging to kids.
0: Why did many conservatives express concern? This was a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more, when Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg posted pictures of his surrogate child.
1: Well, I think this is just a case in classical hypocrisy. Like when somebody that we don't like does it, then we object. But then when somebody that we do like, that we follow on social media, who brings us our news every night, who illuminates the threats to, free speech like Dave Rubin does and we appreciate their work and we love their voice and they have so much clarity on certain topics, when they do it, well, then we can kind of excuse it, right? But the reality is that we really need to be outraged on behalf of the child in both cases, both when our ideological opponents do it and even when somebody who seems to be ideologically in our own camp, when they do it, part of this whole battle on behalf of children, includes ideological consistency and moral consistency on behalf of the child. And the truth is, conservatives have lost a lot of credibility because we tend to apply outrage only to people that we don't like without the self-examination that actually would give our arguments some credibility.
0: You say that conservative arguments against surrogacy need to stem from a posture of child defense. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, there are a variety of different ways that you could look at objections to surrogacy. I mentioned a couple in the article. There are bioethic concerns about the bioethical implications of using technology to circumvent the natural processes of your body, and you're not seeking to restore something. You are enhancing, you are circumventing it, so there's that objection. You've got very prominent feminists that critique surrogacy from the perspective of the exploitation of women and surrogacy has largely been banned across Europe on those grounds. But I think both of those fall flat because you have cases of surrogacy, a variety of cases, where the people that sell the egg, the egg quote unquote donor who's selling her egg, the woman who's renting her womb, the woman who might be creating and curating and purchasing the child, the intended mother, you can have all three of those women And certainly all the different parties in the arrangement, the fertility doctors, the lawyers, if there's a sperm, quote unquote, donor, right, you can have all the adult parties who completely consent to this freely and openly. And so the idea that this is exploitation or unethical, mm, that does not quite have as much teeth to it. But when you look at this from the perspective of child protection and defending the fundamental rights of kids, what you get is a seamless garment, an argument that can take on and rebut any kind of surrogacy that there is, whether it is one, two, or three men commissioning a child, or whether it's an altruistic surrogate situation of a sister offering to do it for her daughter who lost her womb to cancer. This posture of child defense allows you to clearly and unflinchingly protect the party that cannot consent in any way and for whom this practice is always unethical.
0: How then do we steer the conversation away from what adults want, which is where it usually hovers, and recenter it back on the rights and the well-being of children?
1: Well, so this is what you'll see. Like if you go to my Twitter account, you'll see me constantly correcting people, taking the focus off of what the adults want. Well, the woman obviously consented to this. Well, who are we to say what people can and cannot do with their body? Well, if somebody wants to sell their eggs, that's fine with me. Well, these two men desperately wanted a baby. Well, stop attacking them. Right? Stop attacking their family. Like, Who are you to say that they aren't going to be great dads? I mean, like, it is constantly going to go back to the adults involved. Your job as a Christian as a conservative, and simply as an adult seeking to defend the most vulnerable is to refocus the conversation on the true victims, which are the kids. It is not the adults. It's not the adults who longing and losses and whose suffering have led them to this point, right? It's not even women who are damaged through the process of having multiple injections to extract 20 eggs per cycle, or it's not even the surrogate whose body is damaged or who isn't fully paid for the process or who is forced to go through all kinds of absurd contortions to satisfy the commissioning adults. Okay. The victims are not the adults. You've got to constantly focus the conversation around the child. They are the victim. Constantly pull it back to the rights of the child. And the truth is, a lot of you guys who have been defending children's right to life know exactly how to do this because you've been doing it in the abortion debate for years.
0: You say surrogacy splices what should be one woman mother into three purchasable and optional women. Explain that.
1: So this is the way to think about it from a child-centric perspective. Surrogacy takes what should be one woman, mother, and cuts her up into five different options, some of which you can purchase if needed. The genetic mother, which provides the egg, that's the person from whom the child gets their biological identity. The birth mother the one that gestates the child, the only person the child knows on the day that they are born, the one whose body they will long for the moment that they enter on this side of the womb, and the woman who creates the foundation for trust and attachment. You know, we don't place newborns on the chest of random strangers so they can form a bond. We put them on their mother's chest because they have an existing bond. And that bond significantly matters when it comes to um, long-term feelings of being able to form stable relationships. And then finally, the social mother. That is the daily female presence in the child's life that maximizes their development and satisfies their longing for maternal love. So those are the three different aspects of being a mother. And for the first time in human history, surrogacy allows us to cut them up and divide them and then purchase each of those different options. So in some cases, surrogacy says, okay, this married couple is going to provide the genetic mother through that woman's egg. We're going to rent out the womb of the birth mother, but then we're going to take the child home and they will have the genetic mother as the social mother. So the child only loses one mother. But in the case of Guy Benson and Dave Rubin, the child loses all three. They don't have a relationship with their genetic mother, the relationship with their birth mother is severed, and they're starved of a maternal presence in their home every single day. So surrogacy allows you to cut at least one woman, if not all of them, off from the child, not because of tragedy, but through a commercial process.
0: Some may say, if you love babies, why don't you support surrogacy? How do you respond to that?
1: Well, we do love babies, and so we must reject surrogacy. That's the reality. When you look at... Children and how precious they are, and especially that they have a right to life. We see that surrogacy is not pro child and it's not pro life, namely because surrogacy almost always involves IVF. IVF is the process of making babies in a laboratory, and it is routine to create Many more babies than you have the ability to implant or the desire to implant. When you look at all the different processes that those little humans have to go through the grading, the sex selecting, the process of freezing and thawing what you see is only about 7% of lab made babies are going to be born alive. The majority are going to be discarded, donated to research, spend their life forever in a freezer. They won't survive the thaw, they won't survive the transfer. And so This is not a technology that is pro-child. Add on top of that, that if those IVF babies are then implanted in a surrogate, abortion is standard language in almost all surrogacy contracts. Abortion functions as both quality control and quantity control when it comes to surrogate pregnancies. Why is that? Because when you're paying six figures to create a child, You've got to make sure that you get the exact product that you ordered at the moment, at the time when you ordered it. And so abortion adds one more layer of survival hurdles that babies have to go through when they are created in a laboratory. So if you love babies, you've got to reject these technologies. And when you do see a baby who is created through surrogacy or even just created through IVF, what you need to acknowledge is they're one of the very few children who made it through this process alive.
0: Katie Faust is our guest. We're talking some conservative arguments against surrogacy. What are the differences between surrogacy and adoption? We'll answer that question next. When Christ came to earth, he did not come as a fully formed man. Rather, he took on flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He became a lowly embryo, and thereby, in this act, made every child a gracious gift of God. No asterisks, no footnotes. To learn more about the blessing of children, pick up the December issue of The Lutheran Witness. cph.org slash witness or our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
1: Contending for truth in an age of anti-truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memorial Press, saving Western civilization, one student at a time.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're discussing conservative arguments against surrogacy with Katie Faust, founder and director of the children's rights organization Them Before Us. Katie, what are the big differences between surrogacy and adoption?
1: This is critical, and I spent quite a bit of time talking about it in my article at The Federalist Today, as well as we have a whole chapter on this in our book, Them Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children's Rights Movement. It's important for people to understand this. So the big difference is that in both of these situations, right, with third-party reproduction, whether it's sperm donation, egg donation, or surrogacy, what we call big fertility, and adoption is In adoption, the adults are seeking to mend the child's wound. The child had to lose their first family to be in the adoptive family. But the people who are raising them are seeking to mend their wound. When it comes to big fertility, the people who are raising the children are responsible for inflicting their wound. Both of these children have suffered loss. But in one case, the adults are trying to heal the brokenness. And in the other case, the adults have inflicted the brokenness. So what does that mean? That means that adoptive parents are in a better position to understand their child's grief, identify with it, walk them through it. So the child's not alone in their identity questions and their processing. But in the big fertility situations, what we see is? Children tend to be extremely alone because if they are to talk to their parents about the longings, the loss, the grief they suffered, the identity struggles they're dealing with, they're talking to the adult who inflicted it and decided for their parent to be absent to begin with. And so that places an incredible psychological burden on kids. So in summary, a just society cares for orphans by placing them in screened and vetted homes. An unjust society manufactures orphans and calls it progress.
0: You call surrogacy baby-selling. Make that case.
1: Well, a lot of people will say, okay, well, adoption costs money and surrogacy costs money, so they must both be baby-selling. But here's the big difference. When I was the assistant director at the largest Chinese adoption agency in the world, one of the things I was responsible for was compliance with standards, international standards, federal federal standards, and state standards. Do you know what all of those requirements mandated – That money never go from adoptive parents to birth parents. That if that were to happen, if payment was made directly from adoptive parents to birth parents, that was no longer adoption. That was trafficking. And both the parents and the agency was held criminally liable. In adoption, the money paid goes towards vetting and screening adoptive parents agency fees or background checks or home studies or post-placement report or supervision or training of the adoptive parents so they can help their children through all the identity issues they're going to be facing. That's what the money goes for in adoption. It never goes directly to a birth parent to relinquish the child. But in big fertility, that business model is based solely on payments directly to the birth parent's. Nobody is donating eggs or donating sperm, and very few women will altruistically rent their womb. Payment is required. You are paying somebody for their sperm. You're paying somebody for their egg. You are paying somebody to utilize their womb for nine and a half months. What else are you paying for? All of these contracts say, I am paying you to relinquish parental rights. I am paying you to have no contact with this child. So that is categorically child trafficking. The people who want the baby are paying for the baby from the child's genetic parents. And so surrogacy is trafficking in 100% of cases, and adoption is not.
0: Why should conservatives object when straight couples use surrogacy as well?
1: So this is very important, again, because we have to be consistent. We have been so sunk by hypocrisy on such a variety of issues in the past, and we are at the point where children need serious, unified defense. And just because somebody that we know or love might want to use a surrogate, we cannot justify this intentional mother loss just because somebody quote unquote on our side or that we like is doing it. I linked to the story of a woman from... France whose name is Olivia who 's talking about how she was born through surrogacy, she was raised by a mother and father, but she had these deep feelings of abandonment. she had identity and addiction struggles as a result. She was constantly worried that someone was going to leave her all throughout her childhood and even into her adulthood, and that is connected to what adoptees call a primal wound, this idea that you lose a relationship with the only person you know on the day that you are born that disrupts a child and creates a sense of deep trauma that is very hard to put your finger on, but manifests itself in depression, anxiety, what is known as externalizing disorders, especially among adoptees. Now, this despite the fact that adoptees tend to be raised by parents who are more highly educated, who have more money, and who spend more time with their kids. And yet, there's something about that primal loss that makes it harder for kids to function emotionally, harder for them to attach, harder for them to succeed in school. And so we mess with the maternal bond at our peril. Sometimes children have to lose a relationship with their mother due to tragedy and we mourn. And then we seek to mend their loss by placing them with adoptive parents. But inflicting that maternal loss intentionally Whether or not the intended parents are heterosexual or homosexual is an injustice to the child.
0: Can we celebrate the lives of these surrogate children while still critiquing the circumstances of their conception?
1: Absolutely. And this is another big objection I dealt with on Twitter over the weekend is, shouldn't these kids just be grateful to be alive? Why are they whining all the time? I mean, they'd be dead without these technologies. So that is something that a lot of children conceive through sperm donation or egg donation or surrogacy here frequently. Like, stop whining. You'd be dead without this. But the reality is these kids have really significant issues. They are much more likely to struggle with identity issues, even compared to adoptees. These kids have lower levels of trust with their parents. They are sadder when they see people with their biological families than even adopted children are. They suffer more from household instability. They have dozens or hundreds of half-siblings they may never know. Many of them are troubled over the fact that money changed hands over their conception, and they feel like a designer product, and so they have all of these concerns. And then when they voice, hey, it was really hard to grow up without knowing half of my medical history or my biological father, they're often told, shut up, kid, and be grateful to be alive. So it's just a bit of a psyops on these kids. Instead of like really listening to the kind of dystopic problems that these kids are having because they are created through processes completely foreign to our species, and they hear, hey, shut up and be grateful to be alive, the reality is that... We can be grateful for their life, and these children are grateful for their life, and we can critique the circumstances of their conception. This is exactly what pro-lifers have been doing for decades when it comes to rape and incest. We can say, this child is good. They are a blessing. They are a gift, and they're fearfully and wonderfully made. And with everything that we have, we are going to ban rape and incest because a true conservative child-centric perspective is going to do exactly that. That's the mentality that we need to take into surrogacy and big fertility.
0: Katie Faust is a married mother of four children in Seattle. She's founder and director of the children's rights organization, Them Before Us. She's co-author of the new book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, Teaching Historical, Economic, and Biological Truth in a World of Lies, and a recent column for The Federalist titled The Conservative Pro-Life Case against surrogacy. You'll find a link to this column and to Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Katie, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Pastor Michael Salamink will be with us on the other side. We'll be responding to the choice argument for abortion. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December uses detailed illustrations and rhyming text to tell the story of Jesus' birth. It's titled N is for Nativity. This new hardcover children's book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1 800 325 3040. Or learn more about N is for Nativity at issuesetc.org. Use the ABCs from Advent to Zion to teach your children and grandchildren the Christmas story with N is for Nativity.
1: The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry cares for pregnant women sharing the love of Christ. Listen to Pastor Ed DeWitt with Redeeming Life Outreach Ministries.
0: One of the first residents we had said to me, Pastor, why do you do this? And I said, just stick with me through this class. And when we're done, you'll understand completely. Many of the women, as they go through the instruction, when we get to that part about baptism, they're like, Pastor, I want that for my baby. I want my baby to be adopted into God's family.
1: God's mission here, lcms.org slash national mission. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Husband, wife,
0: daughter, son, grandchildren, godchildren, pastor, the kids at church, basically everyone of your Christian loved ones is catered for at Ad cruesome we are the place to go for all your Christmas purchases. Stock up on our amazing Christmas cards, Christmonds, Christmas ornaments, unique Christian jewellery, springily cookie moulds, gifts and much more. Visit That's adcrucem.com.
1: That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot